Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talaya Dendi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complementary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Today, our very special guest is Magic Barclay. Magic is the lead practitioner at Holistic Natural Health, where she treats her clients using holism by looking at the whole body and all the systems rather than reductionism. She is a cancer, Lyme disease, stroke, diabetes, heart attack, and hypoxia survivor. Wow. Magic has seen how treating the root cause of any illness gives you the tools to acquire a level of health only you dreamed possible. Magic wears many hats. She has a few other interesting roles as a mold toxicity master and an innate immunity and functional health solutions advanced practitioner. In this role, she looks at the root cause and finds the most natural source of supplementation, and she works with five immune types. She also specializes in the PNEI, psychoneuroendoimmunology of trauma. She also teaches this to other practitioners as well. In Magic's free time, she is the mom of two amazing humans and two gorgeous fur babies. She grows organic food for her family, and she is a passionate native gardener. Thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, Magic. You are one busy lady. I don't know how you do it all, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm, I'm so grateful for you joining us today. Can you please start off, Magic, by telling us a little bit about your story, Before we dive into your different diagnoses, please tell the audience a bit about your background and the traumas that you experienced in your childhood and marriage. Sure. Well, I guess my traumas really started when I was about three. So very early on, my parents got divorced and I became what felt like a football between two of them myself and my brother. It was a long drawn out court battle, lots of access visits, Commonwealth police taking us from school to access visits. And when you're a little kid, that's kind of scarring enough. But when you're on an access visit and you spend the whole weekend hearing how awful the other person is or the rest of the week hearing how awful the other person is, you know, that's adult business, not not little kid business. So put that behind me, I never kind of made friendships at school because I didn't trust people. It wasn't something that I was raised on. 
you know, my parents didn't trust each other, so why should I trust other people? Moving through to teenagehood, kind of not having a really good perception of self because that's what you learn pretty much from 5 to 13 and I didn't have it. So I became quite self-destructive. Moving forward through there, you leave school and, again, you don't know who you are, so you kind of write yourself off. So I had no life plan past 21. I was heavily drinking. I was anorexic, so I was mistreating myself any which way I could, not for attention, as a lot of people often think, but more for self-destruction. It was like, I don't really know what my purpose is here. So why should I be here? So mm. come 21, I'm still alive. Mm, okay, didn't have a plan. Better do something. So I threw myself into my career. I did very well in my career. I'm kind of one of those people that I guess you can tell by my bio. Once I start something, I throw myself boots and all right in. So I did. I became a manager. I loved what I was doing, but I was still drinking and being self-destructive and still anorexic. I guess I really never understood who I was. So a few years later, I meet a guy. Puts me on a pedestal. I've never had this before. Follows me around like a puppy dog, you know, just wanting every moment of my time. And I thought, wow, this must be love because someone wants to be around me all the time. Someone's calling me 50 times a day. Wow, that must be fantastic. I didn't know what that actually was. So I married the guy. Before I knew it, blink, I'm pregnant. Now I have to stop being anorexic. So I start eating, but I haven't refed at all. I've just gone from nothing to everything. So, of course, I gained a lot of weight. I bonded very quickly with my baby once he was born. Like the instant he was put on my chest, this was my life. And I started looking at how I loved this baby and how I thought my husband loved me. And I went, hmm, something's not matching here. You play a matching game through your life. You see a tree you see another tree you go they're the same there must be both trees Mm -hmm. well I saw a relationship between my baby and I a relationship between myself and my husband they weren't matching there is no way I could imagine this child growing up and me calling him 50 times a day I just could not imagine that so I started looking through my friendship groups I had great friends supporting me looking at what this relationship was. And, you know, I'd go to mother's groups and I'd hear other mums talk about their husbands and how supportive they are. And I'd kind of drive home, baby in the baby seat in the back, crying. And I'd go, not one of them said that they get told how useless they are every day. Not one of them said, I get growled at for the house not being clean or the baby crying or you know you're a new mum you walk around with spit up all over you pretty much all the time I would get in trouble for that 
And I went, this pedestal is fake. He's gaslighting me. Mm. He's abusing me. And, you know, another child later, yes, the abuse turned physical as well. And I didn't leave because I believed everything. I remember I'd never had a perception of self, never had a good relationship with myself. There's only two people in the world that I would fall on my sword for, and that was my kids. So basically I stayed 14 years. Now through this time, my health started deteriorating and I started going to my doctor who I trusted and said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I got told I had Munchausen's. I got told I was an attention seeker. I got told pretty much everything that I shouldn't have been told. And I felt really crappy in my body. I knew something was wrong. So I'm in a marriage which I realise is going to kill me. I'm in a body which I think is going to kill me. And I really had to make a decision. So I left, packed up my babies, all my babies, my kids and my fur kids. I had a lot more fur kids then. (laughs) And we loaded up the truck and off we went. Now, I'd never been by myself with kids. was always a survivor. I proved that when I was younger. But now I have to survive for other people and with other people. And that was a new story, new chapter. Well, I did it, but my health started failing. Mm. And I had no idea that all the trauma I'd experienced was leading up to this moment. Mm. Absolutely no idea. So I went to my GP, my new GP, who I trusted, and I said, something's wrong. I've been saying for 10 years something's wrong. I don't have Munchausen's. I'm not attention-seeking. I'm telling you I can hardly swallow. My weight won't go down. Something is really wrong. I'm tired all the time. I could sleep 23 hours a day and still be exhausted. And my kids were young teenagers at this stage, but they still need your time. They still need your attention. When your kids adapt to the point of sitting on your bed playing with their Lego because you can't move, like there's something not quite right there. So this doctor actually listened and that led to my first diagnosis. Wow. That is a lot, Magic. One thing that I really realized throughout all the information you've just shared with us is how things started at home and what you saw or what you didn't see growing up at home and how sometimes we don't realize how those things impact us and we carry that with us throughout life until one day something says, hey, it's not right. What I'm experiencing or allowing other people to do to me is not right, or something's not right with my body. And I think a lot of times people don't make the connection that there's trauma there. I just want to applaud you for having the courage to finally one day say, hey, I'm not standing for this anymore. And then packing up your children, your fur babies and moving on to a better life. I really want to applaud you for that. What is your thought on the things that you've experienced leading up to your first diagnosis? Do you personally believe that that had a lot to do with the trauma you experienced? 
100%. So I don't know if your audience has ever heard the term ACEs or ACRES. So ACEs is Adverse Childhood Experiences and ACRES is Adverse Childhood Relationship Experiences. Well, I experienced both of those. So there is actually a questionnaire that I give my clients and it's a worldwide standard ACEs questionnaire and it's 10 questions. And it asks things like, have your parents been divorced? Did you experience family violence? Have you been in a crime when you're younger? There's a lot of questions. Now, most people get under three. So I'll answer one or two and that's okay. But three and above is considered a traumatic life, which leads to PNEI, which I'll explain in a minute. When I did the ACEs questionnaire, when I started studying it, I scored seven out of 10. And I went, oh, okay. Maybe my childhood was as bad as I actually thought it was. Like, here it is, it's on paper. So that leads to PNEI. So the psychoneuroendoimmunology of trauma. And there's a lot going on in the world about this at the moment. So psycho is the things that we experience that lead to emotions, thought patterns, rationale, right? This affects our limbic brain, which is the central part of our brain. Now that then flows on to the neuro, so the neural. So we have a nervous system response to what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and a way that you can see this really easily is if you get really stressed about something and for one moment your face heats up, your fingers start tingling, that's a neural response. People, when they get on stage to speak and all of a sudden they get this like hot flash and your nervous twitch and start sweating, that's a nervous response from what you're thinking. Mm. what you're putting value on that moment in your brain in your limbic cortex that then affects your neural system now the nerves are the messages of the body they're your central pathway of all information Mm -hmm. so what happens then is your nerves trigger your endocrine or your hormonal systems that's what that hot flash is That's what the tingling of fingers is. You just get this almighty urge to start crying when you're stressed or when you're shocked or when you're experiencing bad news. Or another way to see it is when you're watching TV and you're seeing this movie and all of a sudden something sad happens and you start crying and you're like, why on earth am I crying? Mm -hmm. Your endocrine system has responded to the psycho, so the, the limbic response of what you're seeing doesn't mean you're sad. It's just these systems are working together. Now, if this pathway happens long enough, you get an immune response. So when your body is unhappy for so long because of the things that you're thinking, the messages that are going through, the fluctuations in hormones, your immune system kicks in and goes, wow, you're in danger. I better protect you. So the immune system's body is to see anything that's a threat, anything that's a danger to survival. And if you're unhappy with trauma long enough and you're having a neural response and an endocrine response, 
you are going to have an immune response. And that's the backbone of most diseases. So when I learned this, I went, wow, that's a game changer. What I had to live through at three is now why my body is giving me an autoimmune disorder. And when I look back at my first diagnosis being cancer, that's an autoimmune disorder. Wow. So, you know, I looked at all the labels the doctors gave me in that next couple of years and I went, they're all triggered by autoimmune. Mm -hmm. So there's my PNEI system. Wow. Magic, when you were first diagnosed with cancer and this news was shared with you, what was going through your mind and what was the first course of action that you took? That's a great question. You know what was going through my mind? The only way I can describe it is the movie The Exorcist mm -hmm. where the girl's head is spinning 360 on her shoulders. I felt like that. Yeah. After the word cancer, I didn't hear anything else. It was like, what, 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 what? The doctor, I had no idea what she was saying to me. And she was telling me all this stuff about I'm um, category one, priority one, I need surgery. I went home, I had no idea. And I looked at a slip of paper she'd written down and it was the date I was scheduled for surgery. And I'm like, oh, what is this? What surgery? What? What's going on? Like, what? Wow. So, you know, I had no idea. And so what was going through my head, first of all, was, no, I can't have cancer. No, no. That happens to other people. That doesn't happen to me. You know, I've survived everything else. No, no, this is not happening. And the next thought that went through my head was surgery. Wow. No. Like, why? I didn't understand <laughs> what was going on. And then the third thought I had was, here's my kids looking at me going, mum, why are you crying? Oh, no, I have to tell them. So having to look at their little faces and tell them what was going on when I didn't even understand it myself, that was mind-blowing. Wow, that's tough. Magic, how did you get to a point where you somewhat understood what was going on. You mentioned that you looked at the piece of paper and you seen you had a date scheduled for surgery. No one talked to you and said, hey, here are your options. What are your thoughts on this? Was there any form of discussion? No, sadly, there wasn't. So I guess they kind of saw me well, this is the way I see it. So, mm -hmm. you know, not all medical people are the same. This is yeah. the way I see it. They saw me as a sucker walking through the door. Oh. They really did. I actually had to go to my GP, who I trusted. We were great friends and still credit him with saving my life. Mm -hmm. Wasn't for saving my life by sending me to the surgeon. It was saving my life by listening to me. And he's probably the only doctor I've ever felt that did that. And so I said to him, hey, I've got this date for surgery. They said I've got cancer. They said it's stage four. And he went, right, this is what it means. And he got his whiteboard out and he drew it out and he goes, they're going to want to do chemo and radiation as well. This is serious. You need to listen. And I went, okay. So he goes, 
this is the surgery they want to do. They're going to probably take half of your thyroid. So it was thyroid and lymph node cancer had spread to the lymph nodes. They're going to take half by looking at all the information they've sent back with you. It's only behind one half of your thyroid. So this is going to be okay because you're still going to have half. Went, oh, all right. I didn't know enough. I wasn't in the health realm at this point. I just left a career of hospitality. I'd opened a gym before I left my ex. And health wasn't really my pathway at that point. I just left fitness because I thought, well, if you're super morbidly obese, how can you be a fitness instructor? Like seriously. Yeah. And, you know, so here he was explaining the the mechanics of the operation. And I went, okay, all right. Well, I guess I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I did have a choice, but I didn't know I had a choice. Yes. And he never told me I had a choice. That's the one time he let me down. So I actually went to the surgery. And when I woke up, I had a cage on my neck. I couldn't turn my head at all and had private health insurance. So here mm-hmm. in Australia, having private health insurance is like a luxury and you're supposed to have a room by yourself. So you pay for a bit of privacy basically at the hospital. I was in a ward with four people. There was an old man in the bed next to me having his last moments and his elderly wife was sitting there holding his hand. There was a drug addict across the, like across the walkway in the room and she was coming down off something and the other bed was empty. And I'm like, I can't move. I feel sick because I, I never took painkillers or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, here I am doped up on endone and all sorts of things. And I'm like, I feel sick. I feel sick. I pressed the buzzer. No one came. I needed Pearl, basically. So the old lady left her dying husband, helped me to the sink so I could vomit. (laughs) And the nurse came out and said, what are you doing? You shouldn't be up. I'm trying to call you. I can't move my head. Help me. And I'm thinking, why am I paying private health insurance? This is craziness. Right. So my surgeon comes that afternoon. I'm already annoyed. Like, I'm a Taurian, you know, start me on the ball of annoyance and that's going to roll down the hill and cause an avalanche. And so she comes and talks to me and says, well, you know, we had to take your whole thyroid because it was the whole thing. And it was in your parathyroids too. So we took two of those, but I've moved the other two. So they're in your shoulders. So you could get shoulder aches now and then. That's just because I've had to attach them to a blood supply at the muscles. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, okay. She goes, cage will come off your neck tomorrow. We just need to make sure you're not moving around too much today. She goes, don't worry. Sewn up your neck with dissolvable sutures. Your neck, the cavity where the thyroid was, dissolvable sutures in there. You'll be fine. But Mm -hmm. you need chemo and radiation. And I went, no. Not happening. I already don't trust you. Not happening. Yes. So I stayed a couple of days and I went home. And, you know, I looked into everything that she was telling me and I'm like, this doesn't sound right, Mm -hmm. but I'll let it go. But I'm not having any more treatment. I'm going to treat it myself from now on. So I did, I threw myself into health. I started studying everything I could. I literally bought nearly every course available. I raised money 
on a GoFundMe to take myself to Bali for a week so I could do a juice cleanse and, you know, just really clean up my system. And so that's what I did. That was my first self-treatment. Wow. So, it's- yeah, you know, it, it was scary. Magic, you hit that word, trust. Trust is so important, especially when you are working with someone or expecting someone to support you through the healing process. You have to trust that person. And I'm so glad that you were able to say, no, I don't trust you. And you found an alternative. Leading up to that, what advice do you have for people that want to seek out something else or start on their own healing journey? Where did you start getting information? I started pulling information in off the internet because I didn't know there were functional health practitioners like me, like what I am now. I actually knew nothing about that. I thought mainstream medicine was what we had to listen to. I didn't know there were alternatives. And it wasn't until I started studying that light bulb moments started going off my mind. My grandfather was a compounding pharmacist. My grandmother grew herbs. I remember any time I was sick, she would go to her garden and get something and make me eat it or make a salve or make a tincture or make a tea. Mm-hmm. I had completely blocked that out. And I went, wow, Okay. There's another way. So my advice to people is there is another way. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned over the years and what I teach my clients and other practitioners now is that everything comes from nature. Okay, so we look at aspirin as an example. It's a very common medication, very common. Have a headache, tummy ache, earache, whatever, take some aspirin need to thin your bloods, take some aspirin. Well, that aspirin still has side effects, okay, but it actually comes from the bark of a tree called the white willow bark tree, which can be grown worldwide. Now, if you take the aspirin, the synthetic compound made to resemble white willow bark, you also take the side effects, the flow-on effects right, which start at common and go to rare. Any of them are not good. Look at the white willow bark. Guess what? You might get a tummy ache because you're using a bark. That's what they do, right? They protect. They're very fibrous. They protect the tree. So when you're grinding it up, making a tea, making a tincture, whatever, from the bark, your body's going to go, oh, I don't know if I like that. Hang on. It's doing something. And it's going to have the same effect. So many modern medications will come from a natural source. So this is what I do. I look look back and I go, that's what my nana did. This is the way it should be. I'm not against all medications. I'm not against all doctors. I mean, heck, if I break my leg and my bone's sticking out, I'm going to want someone to help me put it back in, put a cast on, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right? So the doctor has their place. But if I have an autoimmune and they tell me it's my body attacking itself, I'm going to scratch my head and go, that doesn't sound right. Because Mm -hmm. the body wants to heal. The body wants to be well. So that's why these things happen. So we've got to look at the root cause. What 
started it, not what is happening now. So with my cancer, I was looking at what is happening now. The cancer is happening now. What I would look at now if it happened again is what started it. Was there a latent infection that I never treated? Was it a trauma response from my childhood that my body went, you're in danger, I better protect you? You know, what is going on? Is it an immune response? Is that I'd go backwards through the PNEI? Is that now an endocrine response? Is it a neural response? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? All these things can be a root cause. Magic, thank you so much for sharing all of that information. It's, it's very helpful. In your professional experience, when you have supported clients who have had cancer, what was behind their cancer? And you just explained how you approach it, but what were some of the other things that you found to be behind their cancer diagnosis? Well, for most people, cancer is a collection of dead cells. So I look at what a cancer actually is, right? It's not something out to get you. It's something to protect you. So if you imagine a rubbish bin, right, mm -hmm. and all these dead cells are put into this rubbish bin and your body goes, do you know what? I don't want the wind blowing and the, the bin lid coming off because you know what that's like when you put your bins out for collection, windy mm -hmm. night, rubbish goes everywhere. Mm -hmm. So your body goes, no, not going to do that. I am going to nail the lid onto this bin. And then I'm going to gaffer tape or electrical tape this lid on. And that's never opening. And it can sit there as long as it likes because that bin lid will never come off. Right? So that's how your body makes a cancer. Now what happens then is we here, we've got cancer. Oh, no. What's going to happen? So what do we do? We go to mainstream medicine. We get it biopsied. We just put a hole in the bin. Mm -hmm. So you're spreading it. We might get chemo. Well, that's a whole lot of holes in the bin. So it spreads. Right? But what is actually in the bin is old dead cells because you haven't been able to do something called autophagy or mitophagy. Mm -hmm. So you haven't been able to autophagy is naturally clean up automatically the dead cells. You haven't sent the garbage collector for the bin yet. Mitophagy, it gets to your mitochondria. It affects smaller cells. We need our body to do this. So I so, explained to my clients, well, it's one thing having the bin there, but if you never send the garbage guys to come and empty it, it's going to stay there and it's going to keep getting bigger because your body is going to quickly unseal it, shove more dead cells in, and it grows. Mm -hmm. Now, Magic, I have to ask this question. What prevents the body from doing those things? Another great question. So your body only does it as a response to being unhappy. Your okay. body wants you to be well, right? So if it can't do that, that's when it starts the bin of old dead cells. So looking at working with why your body's doing it, which immune type are you? Are you a catabolic or destructive immune type? Are you anabolic or building immune type? Are you in a neutral immune type? Well, if you're in neutral, you're not going to have cancer. Okay. okay. Is it an estrogenic cancer? So are you making 
too much of a certain estrogen. Now there's three estrogens. Are you making too much of a certain estrogen? Are you metabolizing that to what's known as a 4-hydroxyestrogen, which is a cancerous estrogen? That's the one that encourages cancerous growth in women. Mm. You know, are you basically creating debris from your lifestyle, from what you're doing, or from another illness. So people often say, look, you know, I got X, Y, Z, and then I got cancer. Yep. So you you had a response in your body that created waste. Your body went, well, heck, I don't know what to do with this. Quick, make a cancer. Put it there somewhere safe. So there's a number of causes behind it, but all you really need to know is the body wants you to live. So we have to work with that. But by looking at root cause, well, everyone's is different. I could look back and go, mine was years and years of trauma, but I was having an immune response to that, which I didn't know. Right. And many of us don't know these things. For example, there's five immune types. Magic, I had never heard that before. Where can we... You know, is that information about the five immune types? Is that on your website? Where can we learn more about this? It's actually not on my website. So what I do is when people book in for a free root cause analysis, I will ask basically a ton of questions. So Mm -hmm. my intake form is actually 17 pages. Okay. Why? Because I need to know the history. Everyone's different. I need to ask the questions that perhaps your doctor never asked you. And that's what I hear quite often when I'm going through the root cause analysis of, wow, my doctor never asked me that. Mm -hmm. Or, wow, I I can't believe what you're just telling me. Like, it's just amazing. So from the questions, the answers to the questions, I'll be able to determine which immune type you are. So I'll quickly run through the immune type. So people are probably going, my mind's blown. Never heard (laughs) this before. Exactly. Right. So the first immune type is your innate immune system. Everyone has that. We're born with that. Now, this immune type basically works on a three-day turnaround. Mm-hmm. You come across a pathogen, be it a virus, fungus, bacteria. It sends the white blood cells in. It does everything it needs to do, and it tries to kill the invader. Right. And if it can't do that after three days, it goes to another immune type. Now, this innate immune system is all your barriers. So it's your brain barrier. Your skin is part of it. Your gut is a big part of it. Your nasal passage, you know, all your digestive system, that's your innate immune system. Wants you to be well, goes in, throws in white blood cells, attacks everything it can. You feel a bit awful for three days. Like imagine a cold, you get all snotty and you're coughing and your eyes are watering, your head feels like it's in a bucket of quicksand. (laughs) And then three days later, you're back out of the penalty box. You're fine. Innate immune system did it. Or you might get a skin irritation or a contact dermatitis for a couple of days. Your hand's itchy, you're scratching it, and then it's gone. It's fine. It's done its job. If that doesn't happen, the acquired immune system kicks in. Now, this is where the types are. So you've got your T regulation or TH3 system. That's your neutral. So imagine a conductor at the orchestra 
with his conductor sticks. I really should learn what they're actually called, but it doesn't matter <laughs> for the purpose of this. And he's like directing the orchestra to where they need to go. So a pathogen comes across, virus, bacteria, fungus, and he goes, oh, the innate immune system couldn't handle it. Quick, go to TH1. That's your infection-fighting immune system, right? It's catabolic. It breaks things down. It breaks down invaders and infections. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have undigested proteins circulating from a leaky gut, broken innate barrier, TH1 is going to clean it up. You're going to get something like IBS or you're going to get something like well, Crohn's is an advanced kind of form. TH1 is categorized by fevers, aches and pains, chills. So when you get the flu, you know, it's past being cold. You are now hot and cold, sweating. You think it's Bermuda in the lounge room and the kids are walking around with icicles hanging off their nose. <laughs> like your TH1 system is doing its job, but it's catabolic, breaks things down. So you also get the aches and pains. You get swollen joints, you get muscle tears really easily. It's catabolic, has to break things down. Unfortunately, sometimes it can break you down too, but you don't stay there. So you go back to the conductor, TH3, T regulation, and then you might get a parasite or, and I don't mean to link these two, but they are kind of, you might get pregnant or you might get a vaccination. Now, all these things need your body to be nurtured. They need your body to build so it becomes anabolic. TH2 is building and nurturing. Why with a parasite? Because a parasite creates a TH2 system, as does the vaccination, because if they don't, then your body will turf them out and they won't work. Right? So it's anabolic. It's building. Pregnancy, you need to be a TH2 or your body sees the baby, the fetus, as a pathogen. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be TH1 because you want to carry that pregnancy. You want to build it. You want to nurture it. right? So you stay in TH2 for a little while and then you go back to TH3, T regulation. Mm -hmm. And then in comes the last immune type. And this is where a lot of people find themselves later in life. And that's TH17. So it's like an offshoot of TH1, but it's when things are happening for prolonged periods of time. So TH17 is broken barriers. It's a broken innate immune system. It's undigested proteins circulating through the bloodstream. And it's characterized by things like eczema, psoriasis, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, because broken brain barrier, broken skin barrier broken gut barrier, so advanced Crohn's, advanced ulcerative colitis, advanced rheumatoid arthritis, these are all TH17 because your barriers are broken down to the point where your body, your innate immune system and your TH3 or T regulation systems cannot distinguish what is going on. And this is where doctors say your immune system is attacking you. It's an yes. autoimmune. It's turning on you. No, it's not. It's turning on what it's seeing as the invader. It happens to be in your bloodstream. So it shoots cannons rather than a pistol and does a bit of damage. So 
when we look at cancer, it can happen in any of these immune types, but it's characterized by different symptoms. Thank you so much, Magic, for breaking that down for us. Throughout you explaining that, one thing kept replaying in my mind that I learned recently and that cancer actually starts to form like 10 years before you even know that it's there. So while you were explaining this, I'm just thinking that this cancer is working its way through through us or someone that has been diagnosed with cancer. And it's just going through all these different cycles until finally it just breaks through the surface. 100%. So remember the body's job is to stay alive. Well, the cancer's already forming. Your body's already doing the hard work before you even know. And so for me, that was that fatigue that was kicking in. Yeah. That was my body going, no. I need to just shut everything down because I'm working really, really hard here. And when I kept going to my doctor, you know, before any of this happened, said something's not right, that was my brain saying there's something here that shouldn't be here. Listen to this person. You know, and maybe they could have seen that my antibodies were sky high if they'd done a thyroid panel. They would have seen I was creating antibodies and they were in the hundreds, pretty close to the thousands. That would have been enough to say, let's treat that. And then the cancer probably wouldn't have become a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So, yes, your body just wants to be alive. So the cancer is sitting there. Cancer is a name we've given to a collection of things and everybody's cancer journey is different. Everybody's symptoms are different as they should be. But that has started years before and if we look at what the body needs to do it has one job and one job only stay alive magic based on what you've just shared with us when do you recommend people come and see you is it typically when they're healthy or do people typically come and see you after they receive a diagnosis i actually get both so a lot of my networks a lot of my community i've replaced their doctor Like for sure, like I said, if they've got a broken bone, go see the doctor. I'm not going to fix that for you. But most of them come to me and say, look, you know, how can I make my my health better? Like I'm happy where it is, but I just want it to be a little bit better, a little bit more sustainable. So I'll help them with that. And I can put people on a maintenance program. They can call me whenever they want. So for a lot of my close friends, I've become the replacement to their doctor. But most people come to me when something's wrong. And that's great because we do the root cause analysis, we treat that, and then that tends to solve the mysteries of what's going on with their health. Wonderful. Magic, I like to shift gears a little bit because I'm really intrigued by this. What do you do as a mold toxicity expert? I'm really glad you asked because we've been talking immune systems and mold is the great survivor. It's an immune suppressor. So mold has been used in mainstream medicine for years, but it's also used in warfare because mold stays alive. So as joke amongst mold practitioners, 
<laughs> you know, when a world ends, there'll be two things that are still alive, cockroaches and mould. <laughs> So mold actually stops any of those immune systems doing what they need to do. They cloak it like an invisibility cloak. And you can leave a moldy house, for example, or you can you can even stay in the house. You can clean it, you can paint it, bleach it, think it's gone. It's not still there. You can leave the house, think you're free of it. You're not. It's in you because what happens is you're breathing it in. Right, So it becomes part of your system and it cloaks your immune system. So as a practitioner, what I do is I look at where was the mold exposure. We treat the mold inside the body. We have a partnership with a company here in Australia that do some cleaning products that actually clean it off your furniture, your walls, everything, your floors. So we'll use that. We'll use supplementation. I will use wearable technology so that you can help yourself while you're recovering. And there's a lot of things that we can do, but we can't treat immune systems if you've got mold. We need to treat the mold. So that's yeah. always the priority. Wonderful. And and that makes so much sense because we do hear different things about mold and how it can make you sick, but being able to make that definitive connection is really important for people, like you said, to get to the root cause. Totally. I have people come to me all the time and they go, but I left the house. I washed (laughs) the house. Okay. Did you take your furniture with you? Well, Mm. yeah. What if it's in your furniture? What if it's in your couch that you sit on every night to watch TV? What if it's in your mattress that you're sleeping on? Oh no, I, I binned all the furniture. I set it all on fire. Okay, great but it's in your nasal passage or it's now traveling in your body. Oh, can't set that on fire. Great. So how do we treat <laughs> that? We, we look at what it's doing, what strings it's pulling. And there's a few wonderful natural substances that actually kill mold. Magic, you have shared so much great information with us today. You've written a couple of books that I know of for sure. Please tell the audience a little bit about the books that you've written and where they can find the books. I've actually written four books, but only one is still available and it's available on Amazon. It's called Stop Being Fat, Love Yourself Skinny. Wow! It's not actually about weight loss itself. Well, it is. It's a weight loss book, but it's about some of the root causes of why you gained weight. So I mentioned earlier that I was super morbidly obese. Well, I lost more than half my body weight and kept most of that off. And that was while I was writing this book, actually. So yeah, it's about the root causes. So what we're thinking, what we're feeling, things that we're seeing in the media, there's a lot of myth breakers in there. So that's available on Amazon. I've also been a contributing author to the Complete Health Series Volume 2, I wrote a cookbook called Gut Recovery in Whole Foods. I wrote that for my boys. And I also wrote a book about something that I unfortunately still suffer from, which is body dysmorphia. And that's called Body Dysmorphia, Bring the Hidden Enemy Out of the Shadows. And that was really about my own journey with my body, my fight with my psychos, the start of my PNEI system. And I still struggle with that. So 
one thing is having it. Another thing is recognizing it and handling it. So I know now if I need to go shopping for clothes, I take a trusted friend. This friend knows not to be a yes man to me. She will tell me if I look really awful in something, but she'll tell me if I look good. And I know I can count on her because I can't see it. So there's ways and, and means around that. But Yeah, definitely Stop Being Fat, Love Yourself Skinny is available on Amazon. I'm pretty proud. It's it's a short read, but I'm pretty proud of it because, you know, in it I start with my story and how I got to where I was. And we discussed that at the start of this podcast, but I think it's really important to distinguish that your body weight is just your body weight. It's not who you are. It doesn't sum up who you are as a person at all. I agree. And well said. And in this day and age magic, we really need something that talks more about, you know, than diets and things like that, you know, again, getting to the root cause and recognizing that our emotions are tied to like our body weight and so many other things. I hope that people go to Amazon and check your book out and really help to dismantle a lot of those myths and misinformation. Totally. I guess I went through my childhood, my teens, my my motherhood, not even knowing who I was, not knowing what my body was capable of. And, you know, I'm so blessed that I do what I do now for a living and that I understand exactly why things happen. But the, the book is out there for people that want to go, okay, well, so I have some weight that I don't want is it just physical or is there something else behind it? Because I think that's just really important to distinguish that. I agree. You have to do that soul searching in any form of healing, I believe. And like I said, check the book out. It sounds like it's really helpful and interesting. Thank you so much, Magic, for all the information that you've shared with us. You've given us a lot to go back and research and look into. Magic, before I end, I ask my guests these two questions. The first one is, what is something that you've learned in life that you would like to share with the listeners? Something I've learned in life that I think I need to share with the listeners is your body loves you. It just loves you. It wants you to survive. It wants you to be happy. It wants you to get the most joy that you can out of every day. So give it a chance to help you. Oh, I love that. And the second question is, what is next for you, Magic? Wow, what is next? (laughs) World domination. No, I'm only joking. (laughs) That might be a good Uh, thing. (laughs) We'd all be walking around barefoot and eating plants and other things, but yeah, using plants for health. No, (laughs) what is next for me? Look, I really love what I do. So what is next for me is hopefully writing some great blogs and uh, getting information out to people and working with people. I'm on all the socials, Holistic Natural Health, on Facebook, Holistic Natural Health Australia, my website, Holistic Natural Health Australia. No, it's holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. I just changed it, sorry. And they're all holistic with a W because I use holism as a treatment basis. 
And so that's where I write my blogs and different articles, different podcasts go up there. My own podcast goes up there. So that's what's next is just continuing to educate and hopefully inspire people that their body is their friend. I love that. And if that doesn't say healing, I don't know what does. So that's wonderful. Magic, I want to ask one question before we end. And that is, can people work with you virtually or do you only see people in person? Good question. Well, I live in Australia. I don't see people in person anymore. So my closest (laughs) friends, yes, I do, but I actually closed my clinics here. I work fully remotely and that gives me an opportunity to work with people around the world. So everything is remote. I can do Zoom consultations, phone consultations, whatever suits you. But yeah, remote is the way to go for me. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And just know, listeners, that barriers, there are no barriers to getting help from magic. Distance is not one of those things. So if you're unsure about the work that she does, you want to learn more about the work that she does and how she can support you, make sure you reach out to her. And I will also include her website and social media in the listen notes as well. Magic, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your personal story and your healing journey. Thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure. Before we end today, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you appreciate the show, drop a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For notes from the show, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. After you check out the show notes, head over to my gift shop and show yourself or someone special in your life some love with gifts of encouragement, hope, and positive affirmations. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.